You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Good morning, everybody. Happy Monday. Hope you all had a great weekend. Welcome to Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel, Dennis Dick, Joel Condom here. He'll be back in a second. Wow. What well, We got to talk about Bitcoin this morning. We got to talk about oil. We got to talk about gold. We have an M&A deal that just broke a few minutes ago. I want to talk about it about 19 minutes ago now, 20 minutes ago. Uh, we have a deal in the, you know, Spinner's asking a good point. Is it technically a SPAC merger? Technically, maybe not. DraftKings buying Golden Nugget. Dennis, I hope you still own yours. We'll talk about that as well. Uh, Tim Quast will be on the show at 8.30. What did they pay? I'm excited. <laughs> I didn't even know. When did this was announced? 20 minutes ago. Uh, oh, I missed that. I own it. I'm 20 minutes late to the party. Yeah. And then, so Tim Quast at 8.35. Matt Hammond from IPO Warriors on at 9. A lot to get to you guys. Smash that like button. And Joel, how are we doing in the pre-market session? We got a lot going on. Holy over- moly. It's a Monday. And look, at we got, we got absolute chaos in the markets what is going on no easing into this monday morning folks you just got to get fired up and we got i'm just gonna run everything down s&ps are down seven they were down 17 straight down from that 6 p.m open we know that's gonna change soon but uh, that old time closing high on friday 29.50 that's your high we'll be keeping an eye on that um, evidently, no one needs crude anymore. Uh, that's down 250 at 65.77, 60 cents off the low. Um, no one needs gold anymore. Uh, gold, gold is the story. We'll go into that in more detail in a little bit. It's down 1630 at 1746.80. Uh, we did uh, dip under 1700, under 1690, under 1680. So we're 70 bucks off the low in that. Uh, silver. 
No need for silver. That's down 32.6 cents at 24 even. That had been breaking down ahead of gold. Uh, everyone needs Bitcoin in their portfolio. Uh, that's up uh, almost 3K. Got a little juice over the weekend. Moving up on uh, 46K at 45,915. And Ethereum's been the champ. Uh, if you've been looking at, at Ethereum, uh, that broke out of the uh, trading range. I had put in there on July 28th. That's up $201 at uh, 31.42. Triple D, I mean, you must have woken up this morning, turned on the screen, and uh, fireworks were coming out of there. You doing okay from the Friday night session? Uh, or you not, not sure what you're referring to. There was We were down a bit, but actually it was pretty quiet. Well, you saying about this Golden Nugget thing, because obviously I do own Golden Nugget. We've talked about this on the show. I've had it for, I don't know, I've had this probably for almost a year now. Um, tell me about this merger. Looks like looks like right. I'm gonna get paid this morning. Uh, it's an all stock deal. Are you ready for your magic number? Yeah. Uh, all Give right. Golden Golden Nugget online gaming stockholders will receive a fixed ratio of 0.365 shares. 0.365 shares of DraftKings stock. DraftKings is acquiring Golden Nugget in a deal that comes out to about 1.5 billion dollars in value. So that's two weeks. Two big M&A transactions in the gaming space. We had uh, um, uh, Penn buying the score last week, and we have DraftKings buying Golden Nugget uh, online gaming this week. So GNOG did uh, did spike off that. But any, again, 0.365 is your ratio. So if you own Golden Nugget, that's what you got to know as far as where your shares, shares were trade as it relates to DraftKings. So if you just do the quick math, take the bid, 52.50. I took the bid on DraftKings. I know it's 52.70, but if you take the bid, go to your trusty calculator, times 0.365 using your grade two math, we'll give you $19.16. That's off the bid. Um, that's obviously as the merger closes at the closing date, there's usually a little bit of risk premium they're put in there. So I would be, I would think this would probably open in the high 18s. I would think. If, and it's going to obviously chase the DraftKings price around. So GNOG, right? GNOG. It's going to ch chase DraftKings around. So DKNG, as it moves now, you're going to move 0.365 for the GNOG. So all your hedges to short DraftKings if you want to hedge it. Or you just you know wait till GNOG opens and outright sell. I don't know. I haven't decided. Do I want to own DraftKings is the question. So if I want to hold this, do I really want to own DraftKings? I, I don't know. Um, I kind of like DraftKings. Well, uh, you, you have until the first quarter to decide. Yeah, I, I'll probably ring the register. I mean, you're getting paid, you know, where GNOG overnight, $12 is going to probably open in the 18. So is it halted right now? It's halted yeah, right yeah. now. Yeah. yeah. But uh, it's bid 18. I mean, the Arabs are going to bring it up into the 18s. I would yeah. think. As long as DraftKings stays up above 52.50, like we said, I would, you know, you're going to be up in the 18s on because there's probably not a lot of worries about any trust or anything in this case, small companies. So um, I'm probably going to ring the register today yeah. after the open. We'll see. Huh. Uh, two deals in a couple days. Uh, nice when you wake up and you get one of your stocks taken over. And that's been a dog for me, too. Like, I bought that thing about a year ago. Yeah. Around $12 or $13. And it went to <laughs> $25 or $27. I sold half around 23 because I was like a double for me almost at that point in time. Maybe it was 24 But I sold about half. I often do that. Stock doubles. I sell half, then I'm completely playing with the house's money. Um, in this case, I think I did that again. 
and uh, obviously the stocks come all the way back down. And I was like, man, I should have sold it all. So you get the relief, and obviously it's, it's all about DraftKings now if you own that. Uh, Matt, Somebody's suggesting if do you buy suggest well, buying Golden Nugget before the market open. I mean, you can't. It's halted right now. It's going to open at the ARB price. So um, the only people who were lucky enough to buy were the people that probably had stocked in halt in time. Right. Because it's 1550 it was trading. I mean, when did the press release come out? Again. Remember, we had the rant about this. Yeah, same Here thing. it is again. Okay, they here. Don't here. halt the stock in time. I, I will I will confirm it for you. Ready? What, 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 GNOG? Yeah. GNOG halted uh, at news, news pending at 7.41 and 57 seconds. Yeah. And, and that was literally 11 and seconds. And the after press, the press release, release came out. Yeah. Uh, actually, the press release came out seven seconds at, uh, before that. I have seven forty one forty four from the pro. Yes, that, so it's so eleven. Se- uh, actually, eleven seconds before that. Wait, I'm sorry. Eternity. You mean eternity? Yes, eternity before. Yes. So all your HFT algos pick off all the retail traders that had orders sitting out there, and they're all going to obviously get a lot worse price because of that. Thank you again, exchanges. Thank you again, companies. They need to halt the stock before they release the press release. If you're going to halt it. Halt it before the press release. And I think all stocks that are announcing a merger should be halted before the press release. Because it's not fair that a bunch of high-frequency traders go and pick off all the unsuspecting retail orders that are sitting out there because it's a lot. It's a retail stock. A lot of retail traders selling this, if you look at the tape, at $1470, $1480, $1490, and they're all in $15. And they're all getting ripped off because the stock obviously trades substantially, it's going to trade substantially above that. So once again, this is an easy fix. Regulators, it's an easy fix. Mandate that if you're announcing, and I've, I've had this rant about this before, but if you're going to announce a merger, it is mandatory that the stock gets halted before the press release gets issued. 11 seconds after is useless. <laughs> they try to time it and get it both perfect, and they never do. Halt it five minutes before. It doesn't matter. You know, Halt it significantly before. News pending. Then announce the merger. Some companies do it that way. That's fantastic. Have all companies do it that way because it's not fair that you know certain traders that are obviously you know news algos written in there, high frequency traders are going to have a huge edge here. Okay, give wait, them eleven wait, seconds. Or the, or the guy in the, the guy in the mailroom. He's, wait, he's, okay, he's lifting stop. offers. Stop because I I want to watch this because they're it's going to open at eight ten, which is in fifteen seconds. Okay, let's watch oh, it open. Sure. I predict it's well. DKNG is now fifty three, so it's going to open even higher. Eighteen and a half. Open, no, it'll open up air eighteens. I think upper eighteens. Okay. Eighteen and a half. Eighteen and a half is not a bad guess. Let's see. Uh, the other thing, someone not a bad like, guess. You know, someone seventeen like, and a half. That's low, in my yeah. opinion. Seventeen ninety eight. That's low for the math we just did. Yeah, it is low. Yeah, that's low for the math we just did. They'll probably hit DraftKings a little bit. The Arabs will bring that in. So what they want to do, they'll probably start to bring the spread. I would imagine they brought GNOG just up slightly, and they um, bring in the DraftKings a bit. So we'll see. But that seems a little bit low to me. Maybe you got a lot of people excited ringing the register early. I think mid eighteens. I won't. I won't sell my stock at seventeen seventy five. So well, why would unless you? DraftKings <laughs> comes significantly lower? Right. True. I'm giving up uh, a fuck I don't and a think half. there's, you know, someone was asking about buying it now. Uh, one one reason you would do that, if you know, if you think someone else may come in and pay a higher price, I don't know who. I mean, uh, Penn just bought Score, so they're not going to be. I don't know who would be coming in to compete. Nobody thinks that's because it's trading below it, way below yeah. it. 
Yeah. So there's no thought process of that happening right now. We often say that when a stock trades above its takeout price, yeah. I was expecting yep. this. If that math is right, and I'm just taking the math from the number you gave me, Spencer, yep. I never read the release. That seems low, and it is coming up now here a little bit. So it, it, the risk garbs, I believe, will bring this up into the upper 18s. If DraftKings, and again, it matters what DraftKings, DraftKings all of a sudden rolls over, yep. then GNO, Geo roll over too. But that spread right now is about a buck. Well, let's just do it. Let's do the quick math. We'll do it again for fun. So go 52.85, because DraftKings come up since we just did it, times 0.365, gives you 19.30. That's a buck thirty. So it's already, you know, at seventeen and a half, that was low. Seventeen sixty was a gift. Now it's eighteen ten. I think they'll bring it into the mid eighteens. Yeah. Right, like we'll I said, see. I would sell it in the upper eighteens just to not be bothered with it. I'll give up the last thirty or forty cents and move on because I feel like I can make more money with that money. Um, you know, with the time Tell value of it. Yeah, and that's you know the the other thing to consider too. Time value of money is fairly low, but um, you know, <laughs> I, I think I I won't sell it if it's a buck and a half out. I'd, I'll wait till the merger gets closer because sure. it's worth more that way. So then that's what the risk guards, and that's why it's coming up. 1810, 1760. Look, we just give you 50 cents on pre market prep. <laughs> that was 18, fun. 1820 now. That was fun. It's not every day. Not every day you see a stock halted and, and it opens at eight ten. Like on, on the, yeah, right when we're talking about right it. When we're talking about it. Yeah. Anyway, um, let's talk about Bitcoin this morning uh, <laughs> because not only are all the mining stocks. On the top of my gainers uh, scanner, in terms of uh, price, they're on top in terms of volume as well. They're leading the market this morning in terms of price and volume. I'm talking names like BTCM, which is over 2 million shares traded, right? BITF, also over 2 million shares traded. Uh, BTBT, which we were familiar with, over a million shares traded. HUT, H-U-T, over a million shares traded, all up. Well, actually, BTBT is only only up four percent. The other ones are all up double digits though this morning. Um, and you got CAN, you got Mara, you got Riot, you got the whole gang. It's trading higher this morning again because we talked about this at the top. Bitcoin is it's back forty six thousand dollars. So all the Bitcoin stocks. I are mean, up. Ethereum is back. So all Ethereum moved first. Ethereum. Ethereum. Was, I told you I traded in most of my Bitcoin for Ethereum. I still have a small position in Bitcoin, a fairly sizable position in Ethereum, which is getting bigger. So um, it's been it's been good so far. I'm actually was down in the Ethereum. I think I bought around twenty three hundred, and it went down to what like sixteen or seventeen. I was like, man, that sucks. <laughs> so I put like I didn't put a huge chunk. I think I put one. I think I put about one percent of my net worth in it though, which is significant for me in a crypto play. That's not speculative. I, I, when I'm putting, like, I, my average stock, when I'm buying a stock, I just put 1% to 2% of my net worth in it. So I treated it like a full-size, like, you know, investment. And and, and it went down. When, when I bought 2300 down to 1700 I was down 20 or 25%. And I was like, that sucks. But where is wow. it now? Where is it now, Theron? Uh The futures are at 3134 yeah. And yeah, you know what? That, that's halfway back in the move of the entire break. It took some time, but that's really interesting. And then um, I pulled it up for Bitcoin, and um, I guess coming back on half of that move too. That's closer up to forty-seven. So, congratulations to uh, Ethereum leading the way there. Uh, but uh, clear path. I mean, let's see. We got to forty-six. I think Ethereum's going to continue to lead the way. Yeah, I'm a fan. I've yeah, had no. arguments on that before, though. And I have a little bit of Bitcoin still, too. So I don't see why they can't hit all-time highs, Ethereum and Bitcoin. I don't think they're going to go straight there. If you're chasing here, you know, wait for a pullback. Uh, in my opinion, I would wait for a pullback. But 
I'm, I don't see why uh, I don't see why we can't see all time highs again. I, I don't know imminently, but you know, in the next by the end of the year, maybe maybe we see all time highs. Sell, sell not crude. going away. No, sell crude buy Bitcoin. Is that the well, spread? Sell gold it? buy Bitcoin. Sell gold, yeah. So crude too. Sell gold buy Bitcoin. Gold getting hit again here on the weekend. Nice segue. Hit again on Friday. Hit again over the weekend here. Gold's ugly. Uh, That's I, I own almost zero gold. I've had zero gold for a long time because why? It's just been un- underperformer for the better part of a decade. I believe J.C. Peretz was showing that in a chart over the weekend. Yeah, I mean, precious metals have been out of favor for a long time. Precious metals just aren't as precious as they used to be. They're not precious. <laughs> not not by this market. I mean, think about you know, think about the younger generation. Are they bling bling? Are they? I <laughs> I, I don't think they are. Dennis, you're, Dennis, you're so you're so hip, man. Bling bling. Dennis, Dennis, Dennis is bling bling for sure. Oh yeah, I'm all bling bling. Yeah, no, no, they're not. I, we were looking for a piece of gold. I forget why. My wife was like, I don't even know if we have any gold like jewelry in the house, like not even a ring or anything. So it was like for the kids. I was like, I can't even find any gold in the house. So yeah. I, I just don't think people put as much value into it anymore. And that's why, why do I want to own gold? And as an inflation hedge, I'd rather own stocks. I'd rather own companies. I'd rather own, you know, I'd rather own crypto. You know, to be honest, as an inflation hedge, I don't see, you know, and, and the charts themselves, you know, the technicals on these are not looking oh. good either. They're looking like silver and gold's rolling over here once again. So I don't know. I'm, I don't see the luster. Do you, do you remember for a brief moment when when silver was it, it had made its biggest move like ever? Is at an all time high, right? Uh, was that was that this year? Not an all time nah, nah. high, but it was it was like a twenty year high, right? It was. Yeah, silver. silver well, when they, they thought Reddit was going to grab it, when yeah, it's good. Silver, got to, to, silver got to thirty. Yeah, unfortunately, the all time high is fifty. All right. Well, I never see that again. Whatever. Close enough, right? It was at a, it's like a twenty year high or like a ten year high. Maybe close. I don't know. Anyway, that was this year. Um, Just real quick, uh, is there any news on on this real bad segue here on Microsoft? It's trading up forty eight cents here, but it's like it's it's ignoring this two ninety here. Are we busting through two ninety today? What's going on? Is there any news? No, I didn't see. I saw nothing on Microsoft. Wow, this would be this is a good setup, Joel. I'm long Microsoft in the long-term portfolio, but this if this breaks through 290 and we are yeah. doing it in the pre-market here, um, this is a huge breakout for the stock. This 290 has been the level of all levels. I think, you know, it's... it's Look it's at gonna, that. Yeah, I, I, I think it looks great on a technical breakout. Chapter. Yeah. If it, if, it get, if it actually does get above the 290. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's traded, you know, some decent amount of stock and it looks like it's bid there. I, I don't know. I just wondered if there was any... Any news on it? But no, uh, no. Okay. All right, keep an hey, eye on that one. Speaking of um, inflation, how about inflation for uh, food companies? We have another deal on the table this morning. Sanderson Farms, S A F M, going off the board here at two really two hundred and three dollars per share. Cargill and Continental Grain are, are doing a joint venture, and they're going to buy Sanderson for two hundred and three dollars per share in cash. So, but was, it, was this rumored or something? Because you had the nice bump up. Wow, look at that one, Dan. No. Whatever that news was in June, was that no. earnings or something? Yeah. When did this one get announced? This morning. What time? Uh, well, okay. <laughs> 
I'm on a lock. Okay, here, ready? I'll, I'll, I'll rant stage okay. here. I'll, I'll go to the halt and I'll go to the, the press release. The press release was out at 7 o'clock on the dot. And the the halt was at, uh, hey, 6.59.06. So they got it by almost a minute. So they got this one. They got that was one. better. Yeah. And you know what? Nobody gets picked off. So obviously we like that better. We don't want everybody just to be, you know, at a huge disadvantage to those with speed. Halt the stock and take that advantage away. So congratulations, Sanderson Firms. Getting the halt ahead of the merger announcer is always the better way to do it. Yep. So we're trading at 196.80 right now. Again, 203 is your 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 price. Good. So anyway, inflation. Inflation in food, inflation in food stocks, inflation. Everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. Okay, let's uh, let's move on to. You want to talk? Uh, we we should talk oil. Let's talk oil because uh, oil stocks are. Uh, you know, Bitcoin is leading us higher this morning. Oil is leading us lower this morning. Um, they're they're blaming China. There was some data out over the weekend. I guess oil imports were low, and China's. They've you know we we know how they are. They they're very they're they're zero tolerance on on. Um, uh, on uh, I don't know how to phrase it. There's zero tolerance when it comes to uh, allowing the spread of COVID. So they shut down a bunch of events over the weekend. As I guess the Delta variant still is spreading there uh, as it is here. So, so China the weak imports uh, plus they are quick to pull the trigger on shutting things down, which is seems like they're trending in that direction now. Uh, oil is trading lower uh, across the board this morning. I mean, you got to bounce. Kind of where you should have, right? 65.01 was your low on July 20th. You bounced today off 65.15. But you're hanging out here, man. You're hanging out in a 65 handle. Had uh, these lows in this other. The next daily low comes in at, uh, oh, way down at 63.10. But uh, you had the retracement, man. It just wasn't. I tried it here and just couldn't hold it through this up move here. And then you finally came down. But big, uh, big for crude to hold 65 after that. You're looking at uh, you're looking at just a, another whoosh on the downside. How are the oil stocks trading this morning? Oh, well, they're getting hit. You got XLE yeah. trading down one point six percent. XOP trading down two point four percent. Full disclosure, I've got the pair on there. Um, it's uh, it, it, they're trading. They're getting hit here this morning. So I mean, you know, go to the big guns, Exxon and Chevron. Yeah. I mean, we've been, you know, kind of trending down. We've had this, you know, counter trend rally. We always say, you know, when stocks start trending down, they get the counter trend rally. That's a selling opportunity. That was the case, at least on Friday with Chevron, Exxon. And, you know, if we look at the XLE, same story, 56 down to 46, counter trend rally, consolidating around 50. Now you get a breakdown here, maybe a resumption of the previous trend. I don't want to own oil. Not at these prices. I don't want oil or gold. We just want to own Bitcoin, I think. That's it. From this show. Go crypto. Go crypto. Um, but, 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 you want to talk about AMC for a second? We have earnings tonight. We have earnings tonight. Earnings tonight. On, speaking of earnings, actually, here, why don't I just bring up a calendar for the week? We are still – last week was the heaviest, but we are still solidly in the in the meat of earnings season. So we've got AMC tonight uh, throughout the week, we'll, and we also had, had the trade desk this morning. But we, we'll hear from uh, Jumia. We'll hear from eBay. We haven't talked to eBay for a while. We'll, we'll hear from Baidu, from Airbnb, from Disney, from DoorDash. Uh, so there are – and we'll hear from Rocket, um, Wix, Neo. Uh, so there are some big names reporting SoFi. So we, we do have some big reports this week. The big one today, of course, is going to be AMC tonight after the close. 
Mitch making the point, do they matter? Do the earnings matter? Yeah, I, say I mean, when you're dis- this disconnected from fundamentals, you know, if they want to take it higher, they'll take it higher. If they want to take it lower, they'll take it lower. I, I, I don't honestly know if the earnings matter. I mean, we know they're going to lose a lot of money. We know that that hasn't been great, the box office. We you know, you were talking about, you know, a lot of, you know, estimates there for individual movies have disappointed. So there's no reason to think that they're going to come out and blow it away. But even if they don't, doesn't matter. So I don't know. I don't know if it, if it, if it matters at all. I, I'm not, you know, I'm asking. Does it matter? No. Maybe. Uh, no. I mean, just, and I'll, I'll look at it just technically. Uh, you did That's take all out, you can do. Yeah, when you took dis- out. disconnected yeah. from fundamentals, Joel, that is all you can do. Uh, you took out the low of the move. There was like 30, what was this low of the here? Uh, it was 31.15. You took it out to twenty eight ninety one. To me, you just look at that. It's, it's all about thirty bucks. Yeah, you can see twenty eight ninety one or whatever thirty one oh two. There's not a lot of real estate between twenty and thirty here. I mean, if this can't get away from it's trading, you know, down fifty nine cents at thirty two eleven. If it starts looking heavy, like you see how it looked heavy up here at forty, right? For one, two, three, four, five days, and then boom. That's the way I look at this one. If this starts, you know, if it gets under 30 and then can't recapture it, I mean, what? Yeah, that was two days worth of trading action where it went from 20 to 30. So it's not going to go right there. But, boy, longer you hang out to 30. Sorry for uh, all these people that are all the hodlers out there. But, man, oh, man. Look at having, like you said, who cares about the report? Who's going? I think I saw a box office thing that was like two and a half million or something like that. I mean, that's probably that's so incredibly low. That sounds right. (laughs) Frankly, that sounds right. And the butter expense, you know, for the free popcorn, they're gonna have to factor that in. Also, they did the offerings, man. They did the offerings. I bet you they wish they would have done more up there. The the uh, the. Biggest box office this weekend was uh, Suicide Squad's twenty six and a half million, which is, oh. and that was that was number one at the box office. Twenty six. What, what was the name of the movie? Suicide Squad, which is like a big superhero franchise. Oh, super! And and uh, twenty six million. So, yeah, I I don't know. So okay, so speaking of all this, what do you do about Disney here? Because this is you know similar in, in the same vein. They're on the the other end of the of the spectrum because they of course have. The the movies uh, they have this, the 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 studio and they've got the pipes with Disney Plus. They've also got the parks to go with it. Um, you know, you, I, you you need to be vaccinated to work at Disney in 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 Florida. Um, and Florida seems to be where things are getting worse now uh, in terms of uh, Delta uh, cases in 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 America. Uh, what do you do about Disney here? I want to own Disney. Yeah, I want to see some improvement. And, you know, obviously, the, the cases in Florida. Uh, I had a friend, had a trip planned to Disney for yeah. three weeks, just canceled it. Says, so too crazy down there. I'm not going down to Florida with this many cases. So, I mean, you do see this is going to impact them. So, this is going to, you know, we were getting the great reopening. And all of a sudden, there will be a percentage of the population that's like, I'm going to hold off on those Magic Kingdom tickets for, you know, for a few months here and, you know, see what materializes here. Delta's hitting them. So there's a reason the stock sold off last week. Every reopening stock play bounced the last couple of days. I think it's a bounce to sell. I don't think we're at a point where we're past it. Are we going to get past it? I think we will. Uh, But I think the news flow is still going to be negative here for a little bit. So I'm nervous. 
on Disney. I do have a small small overnight position, but I'm still nervous on Disney. Talking against my book, I guess. Uh, let's go short term, long term. Uh, short term, boom. One set looks like this 178, 179. It looks like closer to 179. Three highs in that area. So you'll keep an eye on that today. We're 250 away. So it doesn't look like that's going to come into play. But I, I want to look at the, I want to go to the bottom right chart here and look at the monthly. And I don't know. I mean, that's you've had one, like three out of the last six months have been red since it hit 200. It's hanging in there. I mean, I see the bottom, uh, this monthly low here is 167.10. But to me, I'm just going to say 170. You know, if you lose that, yeah, that, yeah, give the three bucks. But just the way the monthly is, I just don't like to see these two months, you know, the way it just blasted through there. I don't know if that was on the, um, what was it? The, uh, what's it called? Disney Plus or whatever. So, you know, be comfortable. Let it hold. You know, it's holding 170. Look at it as just a, a pullback and a consolidation to go higher. But you lose this 170 here, and man, there's a lot of room between 170 and 120. So I'd be cautious on this one. Love the company. Want to own the yep. stock. I think the timing's wrong right now. I yeah. think if you're buying it, I think the timing is just wrong right now. I think you're going to get it cheaper. Uh, so that's what I'm saying. Maybe down at 170, but maybe cheaper than that. Maybe get the break fake fake down, you know, where it breaks down but doesn't hold. Um, to watch the news flow. I think, you know, this is a great reopening play. I think we're going to get a great reopening with Disney eventually, but it's been put on pause because of Delta. What so, if they have like a little downtick in um, of subscribers or something? Well, that, that would be not good. That would be not not good is an understatement because we saw what happened to Roku and they merely like were in line with their yeah. yeah think People about are it. All in giving them the Netflix so, valuation on Disney Plus. Any really. kind of decline in the in in the growth rate of Disney Plus that would be really bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be really bad. All right. Well, um, just, that's a bad. That's a bad. Scenario. Sorry, sorry, I said that. Someone in, <laughs> someone in chat said Disney's going to zero. You can hate Disney all you want. I'm sorry, but it's not going not to going zero. zero. Right? It's, it's, if COVID didn't knock it to zero last March, it's never going. To <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> they closed but, the parks for a year. But in all seriousness, uh, Joel, Joel brings up a good point. Uh, this thing got basically the only thing keeping the stock up for a year was was Disney Plus for yeah. For it some, really did. For some reason. Um, so again, oh, it's a great product. They come out. Hey, actually, oh, didn't oh, so Disney Plus launched. It was like a year and a half ago, right? And a lot of people got it free for a year with Verizon. I remember, right? And so I wonder now that a lot of the, a lot of the, these initial offers are probably expiring or, or maybe already expired a few months ago. Um, I wonder. I wonder what they say as far as churn, but th- but this could be this could get interesting. This could get interesting for Disney on Thursday. So uh, we'll be watching that. I remain long and and will be long th- uh, indefinitely. Um, it is eight thirty. We're gonna have Tim Quast on from Mark Structure Edge. Join us in five minutes to, to do his thing and tell us what he's watching this week. And um, in the meantime, GNOG, uh, nice call there, Dennis. That thing is. Uh, it, well, over, it went over nineteen. Yeah, it was too low. I don't know. The risk garbs were sleeping, and then they just woke up and brought it up. We just we told you about the spread there. I mean, the spread was too much. Yeah, DKNG is moving up. Yep. Not not much. The DKNG went up a little bit. GNOG went up a lot. So you you had the spread tightened significantly there in the last twenty minutes. So if we just go do the math on it once again, at fifty three thirty fifty, we'll go fifty three forty. That's where DKNG is. 
times 0.365. Now you're at 1950. Now you're at 1911. So now you're only 35 cents. It was out over a buck when we talked about 30 minutes ago. So instant money there, actually 20 minutes ago. So it was a buck. There was a buck there on the table, and the risk arbs brought it right in. So right. I don't know why it took that long, but savvy <laughs> traders were buying GNOG 20 minutes ago. Mitch, I see you lurking. What's up? I see you here. I, I see Mitch lurking. He wants hey, to see you, Mitch. But he's Where is he? He's here. He's lurking. Money, 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 money. Don't, I see you. I, see I you like here. that song. Money. That's all I can say. Remember I uh, Ted DiBiase? Do you remember Ted DiBiase? Oh, he's no. saying the money. He was money, 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 money. Somebody's hey, going to pay. Money Mitch is here, baby. Money Mitch is here. Money Mitch is here. What's uh, up? But definitely, up? man. I went all in on on pretty much gambling I, I can't can't believe it I, I don't go too many times all in on an industry what do you what do you have i grab i have dkng i grabbed it on the dip on friday i got it really low i got uh dkng exactly at i just want to give my exact price here uh dkng we have an average of 50 35 right there on the hourly i got it on friday i'm gonna go ahead and hold that one into it i think this one could get yeah, up to 60 merger yeah. You like this merger. Oh, for sure. I mean, at the end of the day, there's going to be multiple of these smaller uh, kind of consolidation plays in MMA and gambling. Uh, I, I was thinking you even heard rumors of RSI being potentially bought out. It looks like DKNG went for GNOG instead. But I they think they were the, the ones right that one. were talking about RSI. <laughs> they chose the right one because it's the one that I own. <laughs> the right one. Good yeah. call. Can't go wrong. A uh, couple other ones that I think could also get bought out. Uh, you got GAN, GAN, yeah, GAN. Uh, a lot of technology behind that play. Maybe not the best long-term look, but they do have a great technology stack. So I could see them getting bought out. Bally's made a good push off that 50. I was talking about that one on Friday. I'm going to keep an eye on that one. And then Genie also still pushing. We'll see if that one can continue making moves. Hey, it's Joel Alconan. Save the date for August 21st for the pre-market prep introduction to professional trading special. Featuring myself, Dennis, and Rob Friesen of Bright Trading, we'll spend three hours discussing how to become a professional trader, the pros and cons of different order types, the best brokers to use, and how we prepare for our trading day, and much more. Go to premarketprep.com to register today. Yeah, that's the thing is there are so many smaller names. And there's a few in the chat as well, like GAMB. There are so many smaller uh, names that you would, uh, you know, bo uh, Boyd Gaming. Well, actually, I don't know how small Boyd is. Find out what Boyd's mark happens. But, like, so many smaller names that, like, you would think could be right for a takeover because you got a handful of big players, Penn, MGM, um, uh, Win, you know, Caesars, Las Vegas Sands. Uh, yeah, my bad. Boyd's pretty big, but like you, you got a lot of big players and then a lot of small players. It would stand yeah. a reason that uh, you know, now we now that we've seen two deals in the last week, you know, these things tend to happen in bunches. So it's not out. It's not out of the realm of possibility to see a few more of these in the next next coming coming weeks and months. What were the uh, you said Boyd Gaming and then uh... you got like G A G A M B right Gam, which is a uh, uh, you know smaller name. Um, I'm trying to think. And Mitch just mentioned a few, right? Genie and Gan. Um, What's Genie's symbol? Genie? G-E-N-I? G-E-N-I. G-E. Oh, that's Genius Sports, yeah. Yeah, Genius Sports. All right, right, right. Yeah. So you've got, you know, 
there are some smaller names out there. That, names to be had, right? GNOG is a smaller name, right? Um, you know, names to be had. So, yeah, I mean, it's certainly, uh, you know, it, it, it's a land grab right now. And so they're all trying to grab it up. So yeah, it's it, it makes sense. It certainly makes Mitch, you, you, your timing was uh was impeccable. Yeah, I'm gonna be taking some profits in uh, some of them right now as I go ahead and start setting up. There's no reason. I mean, I'm up like on three positions over ten percent now. So I'm gonna be starting to like. What were the three stocks? Bit. DKNG. Uh, and I'm not yet. Uh, Genie and RSI are are two of them, and then. Um, We'll be looking for if I can get into valleys on pullbacks, but RSI, I've been averaging. I'm not gonna. I've been averaging down on the last couple of weeks. Uh, I'm in a great position now. But yeah. one thing I did was immediately when I got into the green, I lowered it down to a regular size position. Now it's getting above 10 percent so we'll be looking for a little bit pop into the. Is 12. that how you usually when you get up 10, 20 percent in the stock, you usually ring the register? Yeah, you're not my, one of those hodlers. No, 20% is my sweet spot in my data. Every time I look at back in my data and I look at the trades that I make, a lot of times the trades get into that 20%. Sometimes if I get greedy, I notice that I, I'm pushing for the 30 and I don't take the 20, I end up taking only like 12% gains. So I, I try to find a sweet spot in between uh, what I think is greedy in my data and what I think I can necessarily get. Uh, on a consistent basis. So to me, 20 to 30 in between there, if I can get 20%, a lot of times I'll just take it off. And then we didn't mention like the, the there's also the fit here with like the esports plays, right? So you mm-hmm. throw those names in as well. And tickers like EBET, right? And Gamble, GMBL, right? And right, well, RSI, and you mentioned RSI, which which is, yeah. So, because the synergies are, are endless between those two. So, you know, it, it certainly makes sense. Somebody asked what, what this means for his long-term 2023 Golden Nugget call options. I think, I think that's what the question was. Well, those are going... You, those are going off the board now. Uh, wait, what was well, the, well, eventually, but yeah. But what, what, I, what does he have? What's the strike? I'm trying to find it. Shoot, I, I lost. Yeah, it. I don't know if he said the strike. I mean, the only thing with that is the longer, I guess, the longer you hold on to it, the more. Time, I don't know. It would just be priced in. I don't know if you've been well, holding you it. You still have calls. So if DKNG goes up further, you're just yeah, going to sure have DKNG. You, you know, like you, GNOG isn't capped out at 19. No, nope. it's capped out depending on what DKNG does. Now, I'm on as a risk herb. I'm looking at the spread. While I why I was telling you it was too low at 1760 this morning was because DKNG was trading 52 and a half. And you do the quick math on that, there was over 10 percent there. It closed right up and it's down to two percent 30 minutes later. So the rest garbs were just sleeping on that. But I you know, obviously, if you've got call options on GNOG, you now are interested in the performance of DKNG. So if DKNG can continue to rally, your call options could eventually continue to be worth more money on GNOG as GNOG is going to now just trace the price to that ratio of 0.365 off of DKNG. All right. Let's just do- real quick before yeah. you bring them on. Oh. Um, you know, you're trading above your last month's high, which was 53.39. This month's high, 53.79. I'd really like to see it if if you're you're bullish this, I'd really see like to get it to that 56 and take it out. That was your June high. So that's the top of the trading range it's been since mid-June. So if you're looking for more on that, got to clear 56. Hey, it's Joel L. Conan. Save the date for August 21st for the pre-market prep 
Introduction to Professional Trading Special. Featuring myself, Dennis, and Rob Fries in a bright trading. We'll spend three hours discussing how to become a professional trader. The pros and cons of different order types. The best brokers to use and how we prepare for our trading day. And much more. Go to premarketprep.com to register today. Market Structure Monday. Tim <laughs> Quas, good morning. How are we doing, sir? How was your weekend? Well, uh, good to see you, Spencer. Yeah, it was a good weekend. Thank you. Except for all of California's smoke flooding into the Yampa Valley here in uh, Steamboat Springs. Uh, well, yeah, we... we, we uh, the. Blessed breezes came along in the afternoon and blew a lot of it out. Uh, so we must have some prayers in the in the Yampa Valley uh, that caused that yeah. to happen. <laughs> but yeah. I'll tell you, it's it's remarkable how much uh, smoke California and Oregon f- fires are uh, flooding across the uh, uh, the Rocky Mountains. Yeah, that's not a good situation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you What are you watching this morning? Well. <laughs> The, so, because we're in the we're in the corporate analytics business as well, uh, we think about earnings, of course. And there are 1,100 companies yet to report results. A lot of those are biotechs, healthcare, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, you know, this is the time of year when, or time time of the quarter, I should say, when because we've gotten through a fair amount of earnings. When the sell side, so for, for those of, of you who don't know the jargon of the capital markets, I'm sure your audience does, uh, you have the buy side who are the investors who buy things, and you have the sell side like Goldman Sachs and Citigroup and so on who, uh, who sell shares to investors, and they support it with information. And so the sell side tends to come out around this time with their big prognostications uh, and, and expectations. So we're thinking about both those things. How about you guys? What are you thinking about? I think DraftKings is what you, <laughs> you're thinking. I caught just a tiny bit of your discussion uh, before I joined. Uh, but Spencer, you mean you didn't start listening at eight? <laughs> you, you, oh. you didn't step you your back and yourself into a hole now. Yeah, yeah. Like that. <laughs> you didn't say that. You didn't say all the way back uh, to eight o'clock. He said a couple of minutes, I think. <laughs> so. Uh, no, we're watching. Yeah, the M and A in in the gaming space seems to be heating up. Um, you know, we we're watching. We've probably had more conversations this morning with normal about you know the the few various futures markets because gold had a bit of a bit of a flash crash overnight and oil's down right. again and Bitcoin is up again. Um, so you know, it, it's one of those weeks. I, I think we're we're all still digesting what Friday's jobs number means going forward right um i don't know if you have any thoughts on that but i i guess the the next the next domino here is okay we got that we got a jobs number it was very very good what does that mean for for the fed and what they'll do and we seem to be in digestion mode well as spencer you know we think wholly in market structure terms yes. so that is what is what is the supply and demand in the equity market wherever that supply is coming from or where the demand is coming from. Uh, that's what we think about. And I was looking at some tech sector data bef- uh, over the weekend, and we measure buying and selling by sector across the whole market. You know, the, we're data geeks. So we think about all of these things. And it was interesting to me to look at the last 12 days in the tech sector and six of them were net buying days and six of them were net selling days. Uh, and so you'd say, well, you know, that's just a perfect, uh, a perfect balance of demand. 
Then I look at supply. So short volume is how we think about supply. And it's up from 44% in the tech sector on average over the trailing 200 days. That is uh, for you traders. And you should think about this. It means that 44% of volume in the tech sector, the the composite stocks, is coming from borrowed stock. And it moved up in the last 20 days to 45%. Not a big change, uh, but meaningful. So if you have perfectly balanced demand and supply is increasing, it's not a great sign. There are things there are things to look at uh, from a supply demand perspective where I think there are opportunities, but uh, uh, the the market continues to show this characteristic that we've talked about on this program uh, all the way back to April, how there is a slowing demand curve and a rising supply curve. And at some point, that's going to create problems. And so traders have to be aware of those things. If you're just thinking about uh, you know, charts and fundamentals without a co- comprehension of the supply and demand equation, you're going to get caught out. It's very important to think about that. So I, I know you've been talking about that <laughs> for a while here, but I, yep. at, the, at the same time, every week or something, or maybe every few weeks, I see another headline about all the inflows into like U.S. equity funds, right? That continues, yep. continues mm-hmm. to be the leader. There is this clear bias towards you, specifically U.S. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. (laughs) I could really use Current. (laughs) I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Equity ETFs. Uh, it, you know, the flows are good. We're, we're going to have a record year. Probably we'll set the record for in, in, in like another month or two <laughs> um, uh, in terms of like inflows in, in, into U.S. equity funds. So I, I'm, I'm trying to square that circle and it, mm-hmm. it, it's difficult for me. Uh, and we and so we track ETF uh, creations and redemptions and see the same thing. We updated that data for June uh, over the uh, just last week. The data comes out every month and it'll be a, delayed a couple of months by the uh, from the Investment Company Institute. And we're averaging five hundred and sixty billion dollars of creations and redemptions in the U.S. market alone among the twenty one hundred or so ETFs every month. I mean, it's a staggering number. 
So uh, you would say, how, how could we have increasing flows, but decreasing supply demand please, equation? Please explain right? this to me. <laughs> uh, the, so, so everything's relative, right? They're, 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 if, you, if you look at the equation over, if, so, so backing up and maybe tying this whole thing back to the dollar and gold and oil and so on. Uh, and how this all fits into the supply-demand equation. You know I love things like uh, uh, Gresham's Law, these references to historical uh, uh, concepts. And by the way, if I'm talking about the sell side, I, of course, as you would too, Spencer, I would immediately think of Ezekiel 13 in the Bible where it says, the you know, I, I mean, it's the first thing that comes to your mind, right? Exactly. I mean, you know, the, you know, woe to you who follow your own spirit and know nothing. And it's uh, the reference to the sell side, of course, in the in the Bible. Just kidding, people. I'm I'm only kidding. Uh, so the watch the, out, Tim. This chat will turn on you and think fast uh, and hard. Yeah, that's and right. They that's, will be ruthless. That's right. That's right. Uh, so right. Anyway, so back to Gresham's law. Gresham's law says, in very simple terms, and we're we're speaking of supply and demand, that if you increase the the supply of money this isn't exactly how uh, thomas gresham talked about it but he said if you if you say a gold coin is worth the same as a tin coin and you put a bunch of tin coins into circulation everybody will hoard the gold and sell the tin and the tin will drive up the value of the things that are stores of, of value and and so you can see that you know the principle would be dutch tulip bulbs which exploded in value all the way to cryptocurrencies today. There's a basic concept, but at some point you reach an equilibrium between uh, the good money and the bad money and things stop rising. So it doesn't matter how much money we pump into the system. At some point, uh, the, the, there's going to be a nexus. We're going to reach a nexus. And it will, how, do we, how will we know? Well, the dollar will rise. No matter how much we try to depreciate the dollar, as risk assets like stocks and art and real estate and so on go up in value, uh, at some point they can't rise anymore. There's no more money to chase them up, and the dollar will begin to rise again in value. And the, the capacity of the equity market to, to continue to reflect upside as money flows into it will diminish. And that will only be evident in the supply demand equation. And let me show you. I mean, I think this is the best way to see it, if I may. So uh, traders bear with me here because this all goes back to how do you make money and protect yourself from risk? That's what we want to do. Uh, we want to take gains and, and not chances. That's what I like to say, right? <laughs> take gains, not chances. I like that. So, so uh, you know, if we, I'm going to go to to uh, the Benzinga pre-market prep August 9th uh, portfolio here, but let me back up one step. See this over here? It says mm. broad market sentiment 6.0. Mm. This is the measure of supply and demand in the S&P 500. So this, compo this is the composite S&P 500 stocks. And so we take all of that data, the 500 components, give or take. It can be variable because there are, you know, there's M&A and new companies are added to it and so on, but it, roughly. Uh, and we want to look at how that chart that will tell us whether there's, if it's above five, there's more demand than supply. If it's below five, there's more supply than demand. So let's go back a full year and look at this. This is how we think about the risk in the stock market. So Back here, if you go back before March, 
This is a great chart of waxing and waning supply and demand, where all of that money flooding from the Fed and so on. And by the way, traders, you can go here, marketstructureedge.com, put in a name and email, and you can do this too. You don't need a credit card. So try for two weeks. Just use this to help you understand risk in the markets. Look where we are right now. This is where we are. So sentiment has peaked. The demand curve has peaked and has begun to decline. Now let me go back to where I was. So all across here, these peaks, surging demand, and then demand will, then people have to rebalance. Indexes will be overweight this thing and have to sell it, and then they're underweight something else. Uh, but notice that when we had a weak demand peak right back here in September a year ago, what happened to the market? It corrected. That's why we watch those things. We watch weak demand peaks, and we've had three of them running, and yet the market hasn't tipped over. But th it's a very important lesson about supply and demand. We then returned to surging demand and the market recovered. We dipped below that four. The, this green line tells us where there's a great entry point. Uh, back above the red line, that's where you take some money off the table. Market bottoms, put more money to work, take some money off the table. This is what you have to do. I'm sorry that you have to do that, but that's the way that the market works. You can't just count on something six months from now being a good reflection of what happens today. That's not the way that the market works. So. This Spencer, it's a long-winded answer to your question, is yeah. a manifestation of Gresham's law. We are reaching a supply-demand nexus. Unless that changes, and what would change it? We can talk about that. We're going to have trouble in the market, and it doesn't matter how much money the fund flows seem to show coming in. There, we are going to reach a point where the risk assets cannot continue to increase in value, and then the dollar will rise. And what happens when the dollar rises? The dollar is the denominator for equities, uh, for oil. Uh, the, 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 the only exception might be gold uh, because gold precedes dollars. Uh, but if you look at that, if the dollar rise, we hit a four-month high, uh, Oil is going to fall and equities could fall. That's the only place where we will look at something other than market structure. The dollar is an important metric. Otherwise, we will look at these supply-demand fluctuations. And so really, for, for now going on, what is that, uh, three, three, almost four months, we have had this uh, pattern where supply and demand are slowly moving toward equilibrium. And a perfectly balanced market will fall because there's always a spread between the bid to buy and the and the offer to sell and the bid to buy will always be lower. So if there's a perfect supply and demand balance in the U.S. equity market, it will decline. I guess all we can do is, in the meantime <clears throat> is wait and see and, and, and see if this comes to fruition. Because, uh, I mean, probably it hasn't really yet because broadly speaking, I mean, the broad, broad markets are at all-time highs. So, uh, right. There is cause and effect. And they don't arrive in, in anything in our own lives. We can make bad decisions and realize good things for a period of time. Then the consequences of the bad decisions arrive. And because the market is so massive, remember, it's a $50 trillion market, far and away the largest equity market on the planet. And so the cause and effect uh, 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 fulcrum is separated by some distance. So how does this apply to you as a trader? Well, maybe a way to make this point is to, to go back to what we talked about a week ago. We talked about Roku, you know, that we look at the supply-demand equation in Roku. Don't buy it. Well, that was right. We talked about the, 
uh, supply-demand equation in GM. I didn't like it. I mean, I thought this was best, right? I take Dennison, I'm surprised you didn't take me to task on this. Because I said, okay, so you have rising demand and and low supply, shouldn't the price rise? Well, by the time we got to earnings, the day before earnings, now we have flat demand. That's what this line is telling us, and rising supply. It can change very quickly in an individual stock, but not over the whole market. The consequences over the whole market will take time. It's very difficult to know exactly when something will happen. Uh, but we, we told the users of Edge a, a week ago that if you looked at the uh, flows of passive money in the market. They were the weakest on July 30, the end of the month, since a year earlier on August 3rd, 2020. And what happened a month after that? Well, the market corrected. I'm not predicting a market correction. I'm trying to illustrate in answer to your, your point, Spencer, that there's a cause and an effect and they're delayed. So if we're waiting, we want to be, we want to know something before it arrives which is the point of edge. You want to know what the supply-demand equation will tell you is coming. And we want to have as much advance notice as we can. No one can know perfectly, but that's how I think about it. Okay. Well, we'll have to uh, see how this uh, prediction, I don't know if you want to call it that. <laughs> well, let's, let's, and let's give your audience one last thing. Because okay. if you... So if we if we uh, want to look at well where's it best you know quast if, if you're telling us everything's horrible and I'm not where where is there opportunity yeah. well yeah. let's there I think there is a place where there is opportunity yet uh, you know I think in very short increments about ten days but if we go down here and what I'm doing is looking at the dashboard which is like the you know the bridge of your vessel look at healthcare so healthcare has a rising demand curve and a falling supply curve. It's not super strong, but if you were gonna look someplace, that would tell me that's a place to look. There are 543 companies and passive money is the lead investment behavior. Indexes, exchange traded funds, quants. So that tells me with a week to go into options expirations next week, money is still flowing into healthcare. So that's the one place where I would look currently to, to find opportunities. Do you and think I'm the not news so flow with Delta is a player there? Do you think that is potentially? Could, the, could be. It's yeah. it's interesting that you say that because I have a COVID-19 portfolio that I set oh, up. Can we see it, that? Uh, sure. Absolutely. I, I do want to show you one thing. Notice this. El Nylum, Dan, uh, El, El, El Nylum, Davida, um, maybe Intuitive Surgical. Those are three things where you have a a a, a, a a demand number that is above five and a trend that is up and short volumes that are appealing. Those could have gains. And I'm not saying it's going to be a, a, a long time, but mathematically, if we're trying to stack the probabilities in our favor, Alnylum, Davida, Intuitive Surgical are possibilities. So then if we go look at the uh, the COVID-19 portfolio, and I think I, I think I got, don't laugh, uh, everybody, but I, but I think I got this from Jim Cramer. So it's got, it's got 11 companies in it. And notice this. So, so here again is the demand side. The demand side is above five, and it has ticked up the past three days. Short volume, the supply side is still pretty high, near 50% of trading, but it is declining. Rising demand, falling supply tends to mean that these uh, there is opportunity. And that, I think, is a reflection. There are people betting 
that the fear, this, you know, renewed Delta variant. And now there's even a, what's the next one we're talking about? Yeah, there's right. a Lambda. Yeah. Right. Lambda. <laughs> it, yet another variant. And I think it, we're going to get these. This is the history of coronaviruses, it, which we've known about since 1967 in human beings. And coronaviruses are very unstable. They're very difficult to vaccinate. That's why we've never developed a successful vaccine for them. They are unstable, but they become the cold. Most of the 1 billion colds that we experience in the U.S. in a normal year come from coronaviruses. So you have to blow your nose and you get a little fever. Uh, you get the aches and chills and then life goes on. And this is where I think this, this uh, COVID-19 is going to eventually fall. It'll just it's weaken itself out. It'll continue to weaken as it, it continues to. I hope, to, I hope you're right. I think, I, I, I hope you're right. I, I think we'll kind of think that as well. Like, you know, years from now we'll be looking and COVID's around, but it's just a lot weaker strains of it. I look, I know 20 people right now who are all vaccinated who got the Delta variant and they're all fine. You know, they're a bunch of them are youngsters who are out yeah. surfing and uh, they're fine. They're, 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 you know, they're, they're, they're not even taking NyQuil. They're fine. So, okay. Vaccines help. Right. <laughs> exactly. And he, and the human immune system is fabulous. You know, we, it's, it's, uh, it works really well. So am I frightened? No, but to answer your question, there is there is a little bit of betting occurring here. Now it's not massive, and that tells us something too, Dennis. It's there's not a big flood into COVID nineteen, but the supply demand equation says people are making a little bit of a bull bet on those. So there they are. All right, Tim Quash joins us every Monday. MarketStructureEdge.com is his platform. You can try it now. Link is in the description. Tim, as always, a pleasure. We'll talk to you again next week. Sounds good. Have a good right. one, guys. There was a great question uh, from someone in the chat about Robinhood, and 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 in, it's an interesting point. And the question was, why is Robinhood trading more with Bitcoin right now than Coinbase? And my answer to that, um, and I apologize because I forgot who asked it. Nicole. <laughs> Nicole. Nicole asked it. Nicole Harris. My answer to that was, it's probably too early to tell. It is. There's there's no way you can see. I don't see a correlation there at all right now. The rand hood is is on the random walk yeah. right now. And if you go back to you know find your finance courses, um, the random walk theory was a theory that you know you can't predict you know f f uh, future stock prices from past events or from technical analysis or fundamental analysis that stocks just walk a random walk. There is times where stocks walk a random walk. AMC might be one of those stocks, to be honest with you. But Robinhood right now, I think, is random walk as well. You know, its supply demand is a little more unpredictable. It's a tough stock to trade. Um, they eventually do start to find correlations. You could see eventually a correlation developing because obviously Robinhood trades a lot of crypto. So I could totally see uh, uh, in the long term that Robinhood could eventually become correlated to crypto. I don't think it's there yet because you're only in day seven. So I think it's too early to see. Like you see Coinbase, you see a clear correlation in Coinbase and cryptocurrency. You know, you say Mara, you see a clear correlation between Mara and cryptocurrency. Do you see a clear correlation right now between Robinhood and cryptocurrency? This morning you do. But would Robinhood have been up $3 even without Bitcoin being up? Maybe. I think eventually you do see that correlation develop though. So it is a good question. And I, I agree that I think Robinhood could eventually be seen as a crypto play obviously has a lot of other stuff in there too but right now it's still so much random walk could robin hood go red on a day that bitcoin is green yeah absolutely right now it could do anything it's still just you know flowing around supply and demand's crazy on that right now
Yeah, and 59 bucks, and that just looks like the area where maybe wants to hang out for a couple days. We did get through it on Friday, just digesting that whole move from uh, that double bottom. I believe it was 33 and a quarter up to that all-time high at 85. And now the Bulls and the Bears are just kind of scratching their heads and deciding, you know, are we going to hold this 59, go back up and test that higher territory, or do we got some more work to do on the downside? Uh, I'm going to let you guys uh, finish up here. I'm going to uh, go over to premarketprep.com and cover some symbols, but uh, great show today. Great information. Spencer, I'll talk to you in a little bit. All right. DraftKings is still going here. We're in the we're in the 54 handle right now, so DKNG and then GNOG is going with it, right? Yeah. Uh, so though GNOG hasn't really stopped all morning uh, because dra- now there is DraftKings, frankly. So um, yeah, And it's going to continue to move. So GNOG is not just going to you know stabilize around 19. It's yeah. not a cap takeover this is a stock takeover so as DraftKings moves gnog will move too. if DraftKings rips another three bucks gnog should or, or gnog should hypothetically rip up the rip up a 0.365 times three so about right. a buck ten if i'm doing that math quick, wow, that was right. quick <laughs> i was about to I'm trying i don't know if i'm right or not jeez <laughs> oh, that was good okay all right dennis uh great morning uh good to hear from you and have a good day we'll talk to you uh tomorrow Sounds good. All right. It is 9 o'clock, and at 9 o'clock on Mondays, I bring on Matt Hammond from IPO Warriors to preview the week in IPO land and recap what he did last week, what he got right, what he screwed up, and uh, what his thoughts are as far as trading the big IPOs from this week. Let's bring Matt on now. He's back in his normal home with his normal setup, I think. Matt, good morning. Good morning, Spencer. How's it going? Are you back in your normal setup? Uh, normal setup, and I've switched to a lens with a wider aperture, so hopefully there we get more light in here. I'm not looking like uh, no, man. not in the closet anymore. Awesome. <laughs> All right, uh, how how did the week go for you? Uh, surprisingly well. Um, there are some interesting things to talk about in terms of how the IPO market has been shaping up for the last couple weeks. It seems to have kind of hit a you know a culmination last week and the week before where we see almost half of the IPOs that were scheduled have been pulled. And it's normal to see an IPO or one or two IPOs get pulled. But we've seen almost all of the leading names get completely suspended. And they're saying uh, things like, oh, well, it's, um, you know, it's just the market conditions. Oh, it's the, uh, you know, market turmoil or, and I just don't see I don't see it that way. I see it as a reaction to two things. I think that it's uh, retail investors getting more of an allocation. And I feel that the investment banks aren't really loving that and aren't endorsing that. And I think they're saying, look, <laughs> the way that the IPO process has always worked, even though you guys think it's unfair, is the companies get a stable source of investment from us, from the big money, from the hedge funds, from the investment banks. And you know, then, and the reason we buy it at that price, at that IPO price, is we're guaranteed not to lose our money because we turn around and sell it to the retail. The retail okay. customer is our customer, not your customer. But what happened was, and we've all been complaining about it for years, is, and not just the retail investor who says, wait, this isn't fair. It's the public market. They're, you know, going, they're, they're selling their IPO at $20, but we're not getting to buy it until it's 35 or 40 or $50. And you guys are just getting the rich richer and the poor get poorer. And, you know, on the other side, the companies are saying, yeah, wait a minute. 
if retail is willing to pay 40 or 50 dollars for this stock why are we only getting twenty dollars for it? Yeah, it, it, there's so many. They're, they're all great points. If you're if you're a company and you 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 get your set your IPO price at twenty and you see open at at thirty, you're thinking, what, what the hell, guys? Yeah, we, we just what? left a few billion on the table. But if you're an institution, you're thinking, well, wait a minute, this isn't fair. The 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 the, the game the the field was always slanted in favor of us. And now it's yeah. built it a little bit not in favor of us. Wait, this we don't like this. And that's right? why we were willing and that's why we were willing to invest not only in your um, right. high flyers, but also in your kind of like middle tier. Mm, I don't know, but since hey, we'll make some money on it anyway, and it puts right. us in line for the bigger ones. But then you see like Robinhood came out and they just went straight to retail uh, and then it priced it rated right the IPO price and then dropped from there. And yeah, they're sitting pretty now. But this isn't the game that they want. This isn't how they want the game set up. And they're kind of like, okay, I'm taking my ball and going home. Right. Yeah. Donkey, now, Donkey Limit is like, right. That's our free money. That, that, that's how that's that's the mindset. That's the mindset. So that's what it feels like. And I haven't yeah. seen this many kind of mainstream or not even mainstream, just financially mainstream IPOs get delayed like this. And we have very thin pickings last week after, um, you know, after a lot of the big ones were pulled. And that's did, that doesn't mean we didn't have an opportunity to make some money. And there are some things we can learn from this, which I'll talk about at the end. Um, let's just jump into last week's yeah. trades and say uh, and, and see what we um, see where we where we can make some money here. Uh, Weber, <clears throat> Weber, we expected to do well. It's a brand name. Grills Cook did well the week before, so that was kind of a you know a no brainer. European Wax Center. I just didn't know the. Uh, you know, I didn't know the market. I kind of understood that, well, maybe it's going to do all right, but I just sort of had other things to do. And with Weber on the table, I stayed out of European Wax Center. Adagio, ADGI, it's a COVID play, made sense to play. So all three of these gave win opportunities. And we can see one thing that I've started doing a little bit more of is instead of buying right on the debut, I've been letting things open and drop a little bit. And I'll usually set a debut, like a limit order underneath the debut price. So if we can see the indication price, it was getting up towards 17. Normally, if I'd wanted to get in right on the debut, I would have put my limit order at 18 to make sure I get right on the open. But I said, you know what? We haven't seen a, an IPO just run straight out of the gate for a while here. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put in an order down at about 16, 15, and then uh, if it keeps going down, you get to add more. Uh, the belief on Weber is that it's going to make a day two media cycle run. We've talked about this many times, how especially with the brand names overnight, you get to the end of day one, the media comes out and says, oh, Weber, since the you know the IPO price was actually down at 14, um, Weber debuts at a 20% premium and everyone goes, oh, Weber, I like them. I didn't know they were IPOing and then they buy up the next morning. And that's exactly what we saw here. So if you build your position on this downward slope on the open, then wait for, you know, just I just walked away. I honestly just went, took a nap, did some other things, didn't even watch it for the rest of the day, waited till the next morning, got the day two run that I expected, took my profits right in the morning at 19, just above 19. And if you still wanted to hold us some of your position beyond that, maybe let it dip a little coming back up, or maybe you want to hold a position a little bit longer. I noticed it's back up towards 19 uh, in pre-market this morning. So with these high recognition brand names, 
you know, let them run for a day. And the other note that I'm making right now is this kind of blends back into this theme we opened with, which is if retail isn't pushing the, you know, the initial pop up, that means that they're not buying in the demand right off the debut. So there's no reason not to sit back, let it drop a little bit or dollar cost average your position down a little bit and open yourself up to more profits when it does make a run. Uh, European Wax Centers, this is a company that's just out of my wheelhouse and didn't have time to really maybe call a couple salons and see how heavy their bookings were. I did read in the comments last Monday that some people with better uh, insights into this industry were saying, oh, the wax, you know, waxings are booked out weeks in advance right now. So that might have been a good cue that this had strong demand. I just didn't know enough about it and sat on the sidelines. It opened it. 19, very slight dip, so you could have tried to undercut it a little bit, but this is one of those where if you had tried to undercut it, uh, you might have gotten left on the sidelines, which is also okay. Sometimes you don't need to be in every single one. You have to make your hypothesis, set yourself up for the win that you see, and if you miss it, okay, you're not going to catch everything. Uh, off the open, if you believe that this was a strong brand name, you just let it run and then took your profits on day two. If you're playing this you know, pretty tight, maybe you say, okay, it opened at 19, 21 is a nice win for me. Uh, you know, take two points, set your limit order up at 21, either take it out here, maybe get a little more greedy, hold out for, you know, 21.50. I don't know. But this, another one, I mean, we had three IPOs last week and all three of them gave win opportunities. So here are the potential plays on, on this one. Adagio Therapeutics. This one was kind of like, okay, I don't usually like to play biotech, but we did see, I think it was I, what was it? ICGX or something last week was a COVID vaccine play that just kind of dropped a little bit out of the open and then ran from 23 up to 49. So there was at least kind of a, well, maybe this does the same thing. They're in COVID, they're making COVID treatments, uh, debuted at 21, not too high of a premium. It dipped a little bit, not a huge opportunity to build a position, but then it started like gaining momentum and it looked like, hey, wait a minute, people are jumping in. It then hit a halt at 23.19, and at that point, you could see the level two orders weren't looking too strong. So you either want to take your profits right away, or at least take part of your profits right away out of the halt. And if not, set a stop loss, keep yourself out of trouble, uh, take some profit. It's always better to walk away with a small win than no win at all or a loss. So this was one that was worth being in. I kind of hoped that it would do a lot more than this. But when it didn't, I was happy to put some money in my pocket and end the week on a, on a win. That's all we had last week. Um, this week's featured IPOs are kind of a recycle of some of the IPOs that didn't debut last week in a couple banks. Okay. So there's not a lot to review here. Finwise Bank Corp. This is a Utah bank holding company. They do deposit and loan services to small businesses and consumers. Apparently, they're a fast-growing bank. Their interest numbers are going up, even though um, rates are going down, which is apparently a positive thing in the banking world. Um, really small float, just 4.13 million shares. But I just don't know that there's going to be a whole lot of interest in this to send it up one way or another. This and, is, is this going on the NASDAQ or the NYSE? Typically, you see these small community banks trade on like OTC markets. You don't, I don't know how many small banks of this size trade on exchanges. These are both. These are both going on the NASDAQ. That's interesting. Huh. So, yeah. Okay. Anyway. Um, 
Yeah, my thoughts on these are I don't know, so I probably won't play them if people start buzzing about them. There just there really hasn't been very much volume in a lot of these IPOs. Even the more recognized names have moved very slowly. It's not like we saw a year ago where everyone was just piling in and spiking them up and spiking them down. And I think that's part of the reason that the investment banks are not getting the pop that they wanted. That's why we're not getting the debut premiums that we're used to. Almost none. We're seeing a lot of IPOs price below, you know, debut below the IPO price after bringing them down. Weber was supposed to be 46 million shares. They ended up going with just 14 million shares. And instead of a price range of uh, 15 to 17, they priced at 14. You know, when you see all that, you're kind of like, wow, they're getting a lot. I mean, I can only imagine these negotiations between the underwriters, the investment banks and the companies where they're saying, yeah, you're not getting 700 million you might get 240 million and we're going to have to get a bunch of that for retail through like Weeble app or, or E-Trade allocations. So um, all of this kind of, yeah, you following that or did I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, one, one thought I had, and this is going back to uh, the, the, what we were talking about earlier is um, I should mention that in terms of amount of money, raised via ipos we are already at a record we are we are at an all-time high for any given year we've raised uh more than 96 uh billion dollars has been raised this year in uh from ipos so from what it sounds like you're saying matt is like you could easily see a reality where like the back the the final four months of this year are just like re like everyone like got their stuff out of the way for the first the, the, through the first seven eight months of the year, now it's going to get quiet for, for the last four the last third. Sounds like what you're you're I saying could happen. A, I'm, not, I'm not sure it'll go if it'll last for the rest of the year, but it does feel like. Um, and I hear other stories like, oh, there's a lot of money on the sidelines right now. There's not a lot of volume in the. There's market always right money now. on the sidelines. Yeah, so there's always money I think on the some side of it might just be. Some of them just might be the midsummer. Uh, you know, we're getting kind of towards the end of a long. It, but yeah, it could be a little bit of a fatigue and exhaustion. I think retail investors are certainly to the point where there's kind of like, look, I, I can't just keep buying every IPO that comes How out. How many more? I'm selling it too. Yeah. Yeah, and it's get it's getting to the point where the really hot names feel like they've gone. I mean, the next big big one that I see on the horizon is going to be probably Stripe. Uh, they apparently have hired lawyers to finally start uh, implementing that process. But whereas before it seemed like, especially about a year ago, we were just getting big name after big name after big name. And, you know, of course, every time I say that, something like Robinhood comes along, which you know, really was a big name and got a delayed reaction, but finally made that run. But the fact that Robinhood didn't debut at a big premium like we would have yeah. normally expected and what they did to kind of, you know, put some shares or some, a lot of shares into the retail investors hand. Yeah. Um, you know, we're seeing a little bit more. Yeah, I, I do believe it. And I, I will get to that. And I, I want to circle back. So let me keep going. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. We'll go come ahead. back to that. Um, the next one we had here was uh, Southern States bank shares. Uh, this is almost the same story as uh, Finwise Bank Corp. This one's in Alabama and Georgia, pretty low risk. I guess they are already planning a 1.8% dividend yield, very low float of just 2 million shares. But um, I just, I, I can't imagine a whole lot of people getting super excited about these. So um, I'll watch them, but I doubt I'll play them. 
Uh, Aspire Global, this one's been rescheduled three weeks in a row now. They did an OEM for vaping products that are manufactured in China, sold in America and Canada. Um, just everything China related. I, I just don't even trust that this will actually debut this week. Uh, it's been on Weeble for three weeks and still not sold out. Great. So, yeah, I don't really want to play Great. this one. Uh, another one, this is uh, Elium Therapeutics, clinical stage biotech, something about neuronal excitability disorders. Uh, helps manage pain in very specific you know, conditions. I don't understand this stuff very well. Low float, maybe it attracts some players, but I'm going to stay away from this one too. I just don't, I don't see any reason to get into any of these IPOs right now. Um, I think that there's other things I can be doing to try to figure out what's going on in the market and uh, otherwise catch up on some other work. Um, it is interesting to me to go into this. What is with all these IPO delays? And are these just all of a sudden you're going to get scheduled? Like any of the, all of these went through their roadshows. They went all the way up to the day of their IPO, which basically means they sat down to do final uh, pricing and didn't like what they were hearing at the table and walked away. It was Better Being Company, Cadre Holdings, Clarios International, which apparently had huge uh, institutional interest. Healthcare Royalty Group and WCG Clinical also both normally would have institutional interest. They clearly sat down at the table, didn't like the numbers they were given and said, you know what? Uh, yeah, I'll come up with a reason. Market volatility sounds great. Let's walk away. ton of market volatility, at least no more or less than we've seen over the past year. So I don't buy that excuse. What I understand, like just logically thinking through it, is that they're not getting the offers that they want from the institutional investors. And the reason that institutional investors aren't doing it is because they're not seeing the opportunity to make the immediate pop. And there might be some kind of payback here to the underwriters who they feel maybe are slightly betraying them. And maybe we've got kind of the corporations and the retail investment traders like us on one hand uh, pulling, you know, tug of war on this side. And then we've got the institutional banks and hedge funds uh, on the on this side. And we've got the underwriters in the middle and the underwriters saying, well, you know, uh, the institutional banks and hedge funds, those are also kind of our customers. Oh, but the companies are also and they want more money and retail is willing to give more money. They're also our customers. And until these kind of you know, who wins out. Uh, I, I think it's going to be an interesting landscape to watch for a little while. And the questions I have is, you know, how do we play this? And my lessons and what I'm taking away for it is one, be very selective. Like I don't want to get into the, something that isn't very, doesn't give me a high level of confidence. There's no reason to force myself to play these. I have a day job. I can wait to, you know, for something big and, you know, better to come along to, to get into uh, the second thing is it's okay to buy the dip. Not every IPO is just running out of the gate. It's maybe if you really like it, take a half position on the debut and be prepared to double down again if you do get an opportunity to buy at a lower price. And then the third thing is be patient and wait for the run. Uh, a lot of these we've seen run on days two and day three. You look at Hood, you look at Cook last week. I just showed you examples of Weber, uh, Sentinel, which I bought almost three weeks ago. At 46, dipped for about a week and a half. Then it came back up. Then it finally went up to 55, and I was able to get out for you know a nice solid win. But it took longer than just the one-day runs that we were seeing on things like uh, um, 
Snowflake, I mean, for example, was like right away you took your profits. Uh, NCNO, Big Commerce, uh, some of these IPOs that gave 30, 40% runs in days one and two a year ago, we're not really seeing that as much. We're seeing more of a delayed reaction. And some of it is, I think, retail investors have just become more savvy and said, wait, there's no reason for me to buy it right off the debut if these aren't going to yeah. run. And actually, when everybody tries to buy on the debut, we end up pumping up the, the price uh, in a way that we don't need to. You know, why are we feeding the investment banks their, their instant profits? If we're so unhappy with it, all we have to do is not set limit orders. Just wait, just wait. We just wait. That's all I got to do. <laughs> Literally waiting like a few more minutes and then, you know, let that let it dip for 10 minutes and then, and then buy in. It's amazing. So. It's a really, really good observation. This space has been ripe for disruption for a while. We have it now with direct listings and SPACs to a to the extent that those are going to still be around. Um, but it, it is a it is a fascinating dynamic that that uh, is playing out here in in real time for us. Um, so, yeah, great observations. There's a lot going on here, and uh, I very much look forward to seeing how this trend. Uh, develops whether whether we see more of these uh, delays or reschedulings or whatever what, cancellations whatever you want to call them um, or if if we see a rebound in activity and, and how these things behave because this I've always found the IPO process fascinating because the way <laughs> the, the the way the the way the game is rigged to favor certain parties over others um, and and no one disagrees about that right that's like everybody everybody agrees that the IPO process is not fair. That's the point. Well, it's not fair, but it, it, people don't seem to understand, or maybe they'll start to learn um, that there is a reason behind the right. you know, the way that it's set up. And right. It took me a while to understand that. And I agree. I mean, the IPO process is fascinating. I've learned more about how the markets actually work by playing IPOs sure. uh, and researching them than I ever learned just you know trying to trade, uh, you know, opening you know stocks that have been on you know, on the market for years. And... Uh, yeah, I think another thing that we, you know, that's in the mix some in this somewhere is that China is pretty much like left the picture for now. We're not exactly. seeing any, you know, any stealth IPOs. We're not seeing any mainstream IPOs. I don't know if Chinese investors are also just like, well, screw this. I'm not, you know, getting in on this. I'm just going to invest in, you know, Hong Kong and Shanghai listed companies now. Um, but we're definitely in a little bit of a, in a bit of a standoff here. Yeah, and it's um, on one hand, on one hand, it's fascinating. On the other hand, I miss the days of just having like eight <laughs> IPOs to play and choosing, you know, three or four. Look, look, look we're, we're, we're already at we're already at the record. The record for number of IPOs in a given year was two seventy five, and we're at two seventy four, right? So you've had Sounds your fun. Good. You <laughs> had your fun. Right? Matt, you've you've had your fun. Yeah, right. yeah. No, yeah. I'm looking for, I, and, and we'll find. Look, I, I still did really well last week, so yeah. um, I'm not complaining. Um, and you never know things. Uh, this is the right market for somebody to step in with a stealth IPO. Sure. Um, and I'm still going to keep an eye on uh, when these do get rescheduled. I don't know how much advance warning once they've already done their roadshow, how much time they really need to say, OK, well, actually, we're going to go live. Yep. There are likely to be you know, smaller companies, little biotechs, little uh vr ar type plays which ended up being incredibly profitable sure. uh, that slip up on the you know the pop up on the radar right in the middle of the week so stay tuned sign up for the newsletter go to ipowarriors.com 
uh, get the updates, uh, get the recaps, get the strategies. Um, just because things appear sleepy, these are often the times when uh, kind of the calm before the storm and, you know, just when things start to get quiet, that's when something will come along and really uh, give you an opportunity to take a, take some big profits. So, All right. Matt Hammond, thanks a lot, sir. Talk to you next week. Thanks, Spencer. All right. Have a good week. It is 923. I'm going to hop off here in a couple minutes. David Green will be live trading the open at uh, from 925 to about 11 o'clock. Before I go to throw it to him, though, just want to do a quick crypto update. You can see here on my heat map green across the board here. It's another one of those days where uh, there was a couple a couple of days there where it looked a little bit dicey, but Bitcoin uh, futures are at least at 46,000. Ethereum futures are at 31. A hundred here this morning uh, and rising. So uh, it was a great weekend for Bitcoin. You tend to see these these Saturday night, Sunday morning, uh, either dips or rips. In this case, it, it, it was a rip. So we are up across the board um, in crypto land uh, this morning. So a good start to the week there. Uh, a reminder that these Benzinga crypto updates are brought to you by Voyager. You get a $50 in free Bitcoin when you use the code ZING. On Voyager, deposit at least $100 and make your first trade with over 60 assets to choose from and annual yield earnings of up to 12%. Voyager is your launch pad into the world of crypto. And on that note, that's going to be a wrap for me. So everyone, do me a quick favor. You know what? Actually, before I say smash the like, let me let me just check. How many likes are we at here? I'm going to have my volume on. I wanna... No, I don't. Okay. Like well, at 320. Can we get to four? Can we get to 400? That, that That's a tall order in the next 30 seconds. But I think we can do it. Uh, thanks to our guests today, both Matt Hammond and Tim Quast. Again, the links to their various sites, newsletters, uh, platforms, all in description. There's marketstructureedge.com. And here's IPO Warriors. Dot com. Uh, so thanks to Matt and Tim. Thanks to all of you in our chat. As always, please remember all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes and not for investing or trading advice. I'm done. We're getting into the open here. David Green will be live in a couple of minutes, if not less than that. And I'll see you guys a little bit later. Have a good, uh, good luck at the open and uh, stay green. Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. 
It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.